Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. Powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the day has finally arrived. The rookies are out on the grass, and we finally have some real Broncos meat to sink our teeth into. Man, finally, I was starving there for a while, Chad. We had nothing to go on. You know, it was getting tough, and we were, we were you know, crafting these these content stories. We were keeping Broncos country fed, but we needed this mini camp desperately, and I'm so happy it's here because we've gleaned more insight into this rookie class a little bit, not too much, not the way Fangio wants to play it and play his cards, uh, but I like some things that were said today that we're going to talk about. And here's here's maybe a little teaser, a little not a spoiler, a teaser. Turns out Garrett Bowles wasn't smoking was correct. that crack. He was right. <laughs> he was right. He, he was, was prophetic. Right. Yeah, and we're going to talk about exactly how Garrett Bowles was right here in just a minute. But just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Easy to do. It's the best way, at Huddle Up Pod, to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to leave your creative review and rate the show on iTunes. Zach and I, of course, always appreciate that. It's a huge way and an easy way for you to help support the show. All right, Zach, so Garrett Bowles, you know, spills the beans a couple days ago via uh, Nikki Jabvala of The Athletic. The Broncos had finally got me a left guard, which was kind of a weird indictment of sorts on Ronald Leary, or at least kind of a passive-aggressive shot across the bow at Ronald Leary because Ronald Leary has been here for the last two years, and I get, you know, that he, he finished half last season, or more so even, on injured reserve, but... I what did Ronald Leary do to Garrett Bowles right, and what did he comment? Like, What's going on? But, of course, Dalton Reisner shows up to day one of rookie minicamp, and sure enough, that's exactly where they played him, left guard. I, I was shocked when he said that. I was like, what? Did you? Did he misspeak? You know, did he say something he shouldn't have said? Did he? Was it a, an error? But apparently Bowles knew something, and they are starting Reisner at left guard. And I don't know, Chad, I'm surprised by this. I don't know about you, but I prefer Reisner at right guard. I feel like that was a natural spot for him. And Leary, as we talked about, healthy, and that's a big if. I mean, he has Pro Bowl potential here, so I was definitely taken aback by that. Well, here's what I don't get. You know, Ronald Leary's specialty, I mean, where he grew his his name, his brand, whatever you want to call it. He never made the Pro Bowl in Dallas, but he was just this side of the Pro Bowl. And probably right. the reason he was he wasn't in the Pro Bowl is, you know, you can't make the entire starting offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys Pro Bowlers in one season. So 
understandably, he was like the one undrafted guy on the offensive line, basically. So he was the one on the outside looking in when it came time to vote for the Pro Bowl. But all those five years he was in Dallas, left guard. So then he signs with the Broncos. They pay him four years, $36 million. And that first spring, they started him at left guard with, with Max Garcia at right guard. It lasted basically about an OTA. And then they realized that Max Garcia was struggling to play right guard. And they thought, well... Larry's a vet. He's savvy enough. We'll switch him back uh, to right guard and put Garcia at left guard, who, let me remind everybody, had started the entire previous season at left guard. And so everything's copacetic. Well, that season went down in, in flames. Fast forward to 2018, the Broncos get their wits together and go, look, we're paying this guy $9 million a year. Let's put him in the best position possible to succeed. Let's put him in the in the place that is his area of expertise, Zach. And that's left guard. And he right. started the season, got six games in, tore his Achilles. So in one sense, Garrett Bowles is right. It kind of has been a turnstile next to him at left guard. But it's basically because Ronald Leary's gotten injured. I, I just thought the Broncos would want the veteran guy next to Bowles to kind of settle him down and not the rookie next to him. I, I just thought that'd be the better arrangement there. The only thing I can think of is uh, Leary's Achilles isn't healed yet. And they're just plugging him in there. But then again, Fangio talked about wanting uh, Ryzen to be cross-trained to play tackle, guard, and center. Maybe they want him to take McGovern's spot eventually. Maybe they want him to take uh, Bowles' spot, James's spot. We don't know how this offensive line is going to shake out. Uh, but I, if, if Leary is healthy, and he said on Twitter recently that he's running at full speed and he's 100%, I, I don't know why he would play left guard and not have you know Ryzen or right guard. But I got to defer to Mike Munchak, I guess, at this point. Yeah. I mean, we all assumed when... Dalton Reisner was taken in the second round. Okay, you know, the Broncos now have their starting right guard. The, the starting right. five is, has been assembled. Garrett Bowles, Ron Leary, Connor McGovern, Dalton Reisner, and then Juwan James at right tackle. But they're switching, it would seem, those two right guard spots. And I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. But honestly, the two issues, again, are what I said. Number one, he's now your second highest paid offensive lineman, Ron Leary, behind Juwan James. And so you would think you would want that guy, you'd want to extract every nickel of value out of that investment by playing him at his natural position. A, B, the fact that, like you said, that was a great point, dude. The Broncos, I mean, Garrett Bowles has been basically a flag, you know, drawing machine since he's been a Bronco. He's been amongst the league leaders in flags. Even though the second half of the season last year, he kind of steadied out and showed signs that he was turning the corner in terms of discipline. But still, you know, he's young. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. He misses things. Having a veteran next to him like Ron Leary uh, takes pressure off him. Ron can point to him. He can talk to him. Hey, look, help him identify blitzers, uh, blocking schemes, all the pre-snap stuff. And if it's a stunt, you know, recognizing that, helping to pick it up because you have that veteran experience and savvy. And it's not that, Zach, I don't think Dalton Reisner has the propensity to, to become that type of savvy interior guard and, and to help a guy like Garrett Bowles, but just not out of the gates at the same level that a true veteran like Leary could do. Well, the thing to me is Leary is good in pass protection, and that's where Bowles struggles. So I thought they would want them to be kind of side by side and kind of offset each other in that sense. 
I don't know. Even Fangio said, though, it's all premature right now. Nothing is determined. Nothing is settled. Um, when OTAs start on Monday, I think they'll have everyone integrate, and maybe we'll get a clearer picture. We can't make any determinations right now. I just was surprised we're going that route. But uh, like you said, either way, it's an upgrade. If they get a, a healthy Leary and Dalton Reisner coming in, this offensive line with Mike Munchak is still top 10 potential. Yeah, and, l- and let me just say one last thing, and we'll move on, is that it's not the end of the world if Ronald Leary ends up playing right guard. He'll do just fine. And really, the Broncos were fine with him at right guard in 2017. It was the lapses of Max Garcia on the left side that were probably, aside from Bowles' holding issues, the biggest thorn in the Broncos' side that year. So it's fine if they want to put him there. It's just questionable. And we'll see how, of course, it comes out in the wash. But Zach, my goodness, did Noah Fant look good? In orange and blue. I mean, yes, he did. I mean, watching his film, okay, obviously you see his size, 6'5, 250 pounds, runs a 4'5. You know he's a he's an animal, okay? He's a he's a he's a freak. But he looked even bigger to me to today. We're recording this Friday evening. He looked even bigger to me, all padded up in full Broncos regalia than he did on tape. And I'm just trying to you know, project forward the type of mismatch monster he's gonna be for the Denver Broncos moving forward. Yeah, listen, I'm not I made it a point tonight to not make any you know rash decisions or determinations about a rookie minicamp. I think it's still meaningless right now, but I'm not going to lie and say no offense. He reminded me exactly of Jimmy Graham. Just what I saw from the pictures of him, like you said the way he stood out, uh he looked like a man amongst boys. It just wasn't even close. And I'm excited. I mean, to have that kind of weapon in this offense for Joe Flacco with all the other weapons, it, it's it's definitely positive. I, I of course I want to see it all come together. I want to see it happen in the regular season. He still has to earn his role. According to Vic Fangio, he still has to beat out Hireman and Bud and Fumagalli. I think he will, though. And like you said, it's definitely exciting, though, to see that first-round pick just immediately stand out and pop. And he talked about, after practice, one of the things that he believes gives him kind of a leg up as opposed to a lot of other tight ends entering the NFL is the fact that, of course, he hails from tight end U. He hails from Iowa. And even though he played next to TJ Hawkinson, and, you know, Hawkinson ended up going pick eight, you know, 12 selections ahead of him in the draft and whatnot. Because it was Iowa and the pro system that they run and the focus they have on the tight end position, he wasn't like a lot of tight ends coming into the NFL, trained and coached only on being that F guy, you know, the move tight end. He was expected to learn, know, and be able to execute both the F and the Y, in line and split out. And he thinks that gives him a leg up you know, as he steps into his new life as a pro, Zach. And I think that's absolutely true. And again, I think there's a great there's a great foundation for him to start off as the number one tight end in line. You're right. He still has to earn his role. You know, they're going to get their welcome to the NFL moment when the vets arrive here in a couple of weeks and all that. But like, he has a good basis in that already. He can block better than he's given credit. And he has the experience and he's already received that coaching. So I'm a lot higher on him in terms of being able to step in out of the gates, maybe as tight end one, play that, you know, that position in line, help block on first and second down, and then, you know, throw in a few curveballs on first and second down where it's the play action, and all of a sudden he leaks out from being lined up to the left uh, tackle, and, you know, Flacco's able to hit him over the middle or down the seam. Yeah, you know, on my project, projected depth chart, I listed him as a starter. I think you don't draft a guy, a tight end number 20 and not play him. Eventually, he'll get the role, barring any you know surprising nosedive. And what I like, what's encouraging, is he's already connected with the new Broncos tight end coach, who, you know, doesn't get a lot of shine. He's being out um, headlined by the Fangios and the Donatels, but Wade Harmon. 
He's already connected with him. And these are the values of these rookie minicamp practices, Chad. A lot of coaches and fans and media think it's pointless, but these reps are invaluable right now. And like Fangio said, you don't want to throw these young players into the fray right away on Monday for OTAs. You got them some time alone with with the coaching. You got them some time alone with your future franchise quarterback in Drew Locke. It's definitely encouraging. And I'm with you. It won't be long before he leapfrogs up the depth chart and is a starter. Yeah. I mean, it just hit home today watching the tape clips on Twitter and some of the replays on DenverBroncos.com of practice. It just hit home to me how rare of a specimen Noah Fant is. And he just looked like an enormous monster all padded up in Broncos orange and blue. And then you got to remember that he's a four, he runs a 4-5-40. I mean, I'm just I, – I know Joe Flacco's got to be licking his chops right now because that kid, you know, he's, he's too fast to, for a linebacker to hang with and he's too big and physical for most defensive backs. So the Broncos – you know, that could be one of those home run picks for John Elway in the first round. He's he's kind of had some ups and downs in round one over the last couple of years. But it's looking like to me, you know, knock on wood, a lot still has to come out in the wash, though, that they're at least on the right path with Noah Fant. And as far as Drew Locke, what jumped out to you watching some of the, the snapshots and, and video of him today, Zach? I mean, from what we saw, you, his live arm. I mean, you just can't deny his arm talent. It just pops on film. Even if it's a five-second video clip on Twitter, he can throw from any angle. Just to roll out and work with Scangarello, I like that. They were by themselves in the field house. It was ripping Locke and Scangarello. Just getting some reps under center. They want Locke to clean up his technique, his footwork, and they're already starting on that. So that's another thing why I like these rookie practices. It gives them some one-on-one time, and you have a new offensive coordinator, a first-time guy in Scangarello. You have a, a very, very raw quarterback who has no pressure to play, and you have an undrafted for agent who's pushing him to be the number two. So I like what I saw from a fundamental standpoint and from a, a progression standpoint as much as you can read into in one practice anyway. Yeah. You know, it jumped out to me, my thought anyway, and I tweeted about this, is that if you're Brett Rippon and you're seeing, you know, across from you on the field, Drew Locke, he's like doing multiple things he's in the middle of a conversation talking to his coaches and then the ball comes to him and he just rips it like nonchalant you know if you are a guy like the Boise State product Brett Rippon yeah I know here's how I'd be thinking I'd be going like dang dude I got to put a little bit more mustard on these throws I got to try and like match what Locke's doing and Locke's you can tell like it's not that he's not trying but it's just the natural way in which he uncorks the ball it just comes out quick and it gets there quick. The arm strength is phenomenal, and I wonder what kind of psychological process a young guy like Brett Rippon is going through. Because talking to him at the combine, you know, he's kind of a—he was very reserved, kind of quiet. You can tell he's—he's he's very supremely self-confident, you know, as most quarterbacks are. But I wonder what kind of psychological process he's going through right now. Uh, Rippon seems like a pretty heady guy, and if the Broncos coaching staff was smart, they'd be real with him and say, you're not as good um, from a physical standpoint as Drew Locke. You don't have the arm as him. Your name isn't Drew Locke. Be Brett Rippon. You're not going to probably be the quarterback of the future. He probably will be. You could be a great backup in this league, maybe a fringe starter. Just be you. He has some tools that he's advanced at this stage already than Drew Locke has. It's just he has to be himself. So if he lets himself... Go the Paxton Lynch route, Chad, where he lets himself, his mind just uh, devour in on itself. You're going to see the same kind of flame out as you saw with Lynch. And by the way, Noah Fant did give Brett Rippon some kind of props today when he took some time at the podium. He was asked specifically Fant 
about what it's been like, you know, catching balls from Drew Locke. Here's the quote specifically. He says, quote, Drew throws a great ball. We had two quarterbacks out there today. We had Drew and Brett Rippon. Both of them made some great passes out there and did their job. They did great out there today. They are definitely There are definitely things to improve on, but I thought they did a good job, close quote. Now, what's interesting about that is he's throwing the undrafted guy a bone because he wasn't asked about Brett Rippon. He was asked about Drew Locke. I, I think it's Fant kind of being a good teammate. If they were standing right there, he's not going to just single out Drew Locke and not mention Rippon. But yeah, you know, I mean, both quarterbacks come with some sort of allure. Locke is a second-round pick, and Rippon got a, a six-figure guarantee. So all the players are wise to that, and he's not going to kind of exclude one and, and praise the other. It's definitely a good opportunity, though, for Brett Rippon. We've talked a lot about you know, how he could fit into the Broncos' long-term plans. I still think he has a ways to go in terms of even penciling himself in as a QB3, you know, a healthy scratch on game days, making the 53-man roster. But he's guaranteed to have a place on the practice squad in Denver unless the Broncos were to waive him and another team tried tried to claim him off waivers. But... From my understanding is, of course, the Broncos offered him that significant guarantee, which exceeds what the standard salary is for practice squad players. So if you're a team out there who maybe, you know, we just look into the future a little bit and let's just say Brett Rippon has a great preseason and some of the teams out there who might have been interested in him that were making calls to him after the draft, he ultimately, of course, chose to sign with the Broncos. But those teams liked what they saw in preseason even more and say, convince themselves, you know what, he's hitting the wire, let's pull the trigger and get him in here because he's better than our third guy. We'll stack him on the practice squad. They'd have to be willing to take that money that the Denver Broncos gave him in guarantee. Yeah, it's a really good point. And maybe Elway learned his lesson with Kyle Sloter, and maybe they'll carry three just for that reason. But yeah, based on his potential and the Broncos, the, the money they gave him, he's locked into at least a practice squad spot. And they have to hope that no other team poaches him. But I would probably, if they can sneak him, if they can squeeze it, I carry three. You have your veteran and your former Super Bowl MVP, and you have two young, great prospects with a young uh, quarterback developer. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't risk ripping on the practice squad. Well, we still do have a few things we want to land on from day one of Broncos Rookie Minicamp. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. First, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so let's talk about some of the things Vic Fangio observed from day one of Denver Broncos Rookie Minicamp. And one of them, of course, and we knew this was coming. This is no secret, but the Broncos – we're trying their fifth-round pick, Justin Hollins, both at edge and off-ball linebacker. And Fangio actually gave us an even more specific window into the thinking the team has right now where they're putting him in, Hollins, in at outside linebacker edge on in base defense and then putting him at off-ball in nickel where you can capitalize on his length and his speed, Zach. Yeah, that's a huge inside linebacker to happen. If they can mold him in that role, that's a, a weapon for this Broncos defense. At first, when he was selected, I wanted him to be a strict pass rusher, but I kind of uh, warms up to the idea of him playing off ball. And if he can use him in nickel situations and you have Vaughn and Chubb rushing from the outside, maybe Draymond Jones up front, I mean, that's a scary defensive front and just another option, another scenario for Fig Fangio. It, it's definitely uh, intriguing. Right. And, you know, it's interesting, though, that the Broncos kind of have to walk the razor's edge because just in the same way that Fangio talked about Reisner in terms of, you know, we're trying him at left guard first. 
you know, we'll see where he ends up developing his home, so to speak, and then he can build on that. Versatility is great and all, but the guys have to kind of figure out what their home is in terms of their their primary position. And that applies similarly to Hollins in exactly the same way, in fact, not similarly. So for the Broncos, it's, it's a matter of not dumping too much on him because you want him to be excellent at whatever his job is. And even though versatility is great, you know, if you spread yourself too thin trying to do two jobs – you know, you can get lost in the shuffle. So I hope, my hope is that the Denver Broncos figure out quickly that either A, Hollins is is remarkably good at off-ball, that's where we think he can help us the most, thus that's going to be our main focus, or vice versa, you know what, he's an edge. You know, he's got some propensity there at off-ball. It's something we'll kind of use as a feather in our cap, and we'll develop him when the opportunities arise, and we'll give him reps there in training camp and whatnot. But his main focus needs to be learning the edge. One way or another, as exciting as that versatility is for a guy like Justin Hollins, the Broncos need to try and get specific, my opinion is, sooner rather than later for the sake of his long-term upside. That's a great, great point. I I don't want a Demarcus Walker situation to repeat where they're forcing him to be a a square peg in a round hole, you know, learning outside linebacker and defensive end. Stick him in one spot. He's probably a better pass rusher at outside linebacker than an inside linebacker. It's a cool concept, but it also comes down to roster math, Chad. I mean, you have Jeff Holland. You have a bunch of inside linebackers pushing for roster spots. So what do you do? How do you classify him? I'm with you 100%. Pick him a certain spot and, and stay with him there. We also learned that Joe Deneen, the undrafted rookie linebacker from Kansas, who we've talked about on the show, I wrote an article on him earlier this week, he was not a passion project of Vic Fangio. He was someone that Vic Fangio says he, you know, watched a little tape on him. Here's what he said, in fact, quote, I really didn't watch a lot of Deneen in preparation for the draft, but I do know that some of the scouts and linebacker coach had some feeling for him. We'll see. He's here now. And now I'll put my eyes on him. Close quote. That's a so, great quote. Of course, he's going to put his eyes on him. And and like we've talked about on the show many times, and, and credit to Cecil Lammy for coining this term, but Deneen stands to benefit from the Fangio bump. But it is interesting that, you know, he was a passion project of some scout, and it sounds like some, some input from Reggie Herring as well, Zach. And it's nice to see that that you know recommendations trickle all the way up to John Elway enough to you know make that that selection. So I, I it's definitely encouraging. I just want to see where they go ultimately with that, and I want to see picking a position for Deneen. And I want to see what they do, like I said, with roster math. I mean, who do you cut? Do you, do you keep Deneen and you cut Joe Jones? you cut A.J. Johnson? What do you do with Dakota Watson? What do you do with, with Hollins? There's so many moving parts here. And as much as Deneen is a good prospect, this is a guy who his ceiling in the short term could be the practice squad. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting, too, circling back to Noah Fant. Vic Fangio was asked, you know, he's the first-round pick. He's got that pedigree, of course. You know, is he expected – you know, to to establish himself or assert himself as a leader in the locker room with these rookies. And here's what Fangio said. He said, quote, it's too early. These guys are all swimming right now. They're worried about leading themselves, close quote, which is, is true. But at the same time, these undrafted guys and the later drafted guys and the tryout guys, which, by the way, the Broncos hosted 47 players, which only most of them are rookies. Only four of them are first-year carryovers. But anyway – they're all looking to guys like Fant, to Reisner, to Locke, the high-round premium pick guys to be the leader. So in one sense, Fangio's absolutely right that he's pro- he's probably pretty consumed with focusing on himself right now, Fant. But two things can be true at the same time. 
And the other one is that he's going to have to also exude the traits of a leader because that's how the other guys around him are going to be looking at him. Yeah, I'm with you. And and based on draft status, I mean, everyone, fans, the team, they're going to all expect Fant and, and uh, you know, Reisner to, to perform and contribute right away. So it's definitely expectations. But after the first practice, I tend to agree with Fangio. And he doesn't want to put too much on their plate. He wanted to get these practices out of the way so they're not all thrown into the mix with veterans and OTA. So it was smart, and they're going to take them along slowly. But once Monday rolls around, Chad, I mean, there's no excuses. The training wheels come off. And by the way, nothing really jumped out to Fangio with regard to Drew Locke on his first practice as a Bronco. He, and, and, you know, that's fine. Nothing Drew Locke sh- could do at this point, whether good or bad, should right. be something that the team ultimately reads too much into. And I liked what Fangio said. He goes, quote, he's learning out there, so I try not to make any big value judgments here early, close quote, which is absolutely true. Now, in a sense, some of the tryout guys, you know, they are getting those big value judgments right out of the gates because that's just the nature of the beast. But the younger or, or the, the draft picks and the, the more valued undrafted rookies, they're getting some of the benefit of the doubt. If they're not looking like aces in the hole right out of the gates, the team's going to show some patience and work with them. And, you know, they look at it like, look, at worst, we have a whole summer to get these guys ready. But Drew Locke, you know, what ex- exactly can you expect to see if you're a coach on day one of, of minicamp where you're spending half the time, at least for the portion in which media could observe, in the field house just throwing to coaches? And, you know, Fangio's not going to BS you. He's going to tell it like it is. If this was Vance Joseph. He'd say, oh, yeah, Drew Locke dropped back nicely. He held the ball good. It, it, that's what more could he do? He stood around the field house. He threw some nice passes. He looked okay. But like I said, it, it's just a very limited simulation of a practice. It's not the real thing, not even close to it. So I like that Fangio is keeping it realistic and keeping in check while allowing these players to get the reps and allowing the development to occur, but not to build it up to something. It's not and not to say, oh, yeah, he's it took a big step right away. No. I mean, it's just one practice. Even yeah. the next couple of weeks, it's so infantile in the process, you know? Yeah. Here's, though, what Dalton Reisner said when he was asked specifically about how Drew Locke did in his first practice. He said, quote, he did great. You would never have thought it was day one for him. Of course, he has things to work on like everyone does out there, but that's something that Drew brings to the table. He's not a quarterback that's going to hesitate or have trouble doing something like that in the huddle. He did a good job, close quote. And Locke himself spoke about how, you know, assimilating not just the playbook, but being able as a quarterback, you have to be able to recite these plays in a way that makes sense. You know, they're true. That's what the play is called so that the young players in the huddle know what you're saying. And, you know, you got to say it with confidence. It's not so it's not just what you say. It's how you say things, you know, reading your eyes, reading your confidence so that they can go out there and feel confident executing their responsibilities on a given play. Yeah, and you know he even mentioned that it was a, a transition spitting out the play in the huddle, and he's going to literally go home in the mirror and recite those plays. And that's how early on in the process Drew Locke is. It was literally day one for him. So as, as exciting as it was to see him in a Broncos uniform and slinging passes, there's so much work to be done, and that's why I, I laud Fangio for not getting carried away with this. Let me ask you something, though. Do you think Paxton Lynch, day one, a rookie minicamp, went home that night at the hotel room and recited plays to himself in no. the mirror? He played video games. He wasn't reciting plays. So that's encouraging. Drew Locke is very seriously approaching this, his new responsibility as the quarterback of the future for the Denver Broncos. And to me, that's the type of thing you want to hear from him, the type of commitment and passion and the seriousness with which he's embracing his new role with with the Broncos as a pro. 
I will say, just as when he did his, his conference call and his first press conference, I mean, he's great in front of the press. He's very charismatic, very natural. He exudes that natural leadership, so he has that it factor. And you can't teach that. You can't buy it. You can't draft it. He has that. And if they can just mold his physical talent along and his his mental processing, they got themselves a quarterback. By the way, people are wondering why Dalton Reisner is wearing the jersey number 66, which is also, I mean, if I'm Dalton Reisner, I'm not crying too many tears because, I mean, that's an homage of sorts. You got freaking Tom Nalen, Ring of Fame center, two-time Super Bowl champion center for the Denver Broncos, wore and rocked number 66. Of course, Dalton Reisner wore number 71 at Kansas State, so that's his number. That's probably the number he had in high school, though I'm not sure of that. But someone already had it, and if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, Austin Schlotman. Am I am I thinking right on that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so yeah, and that's correct. It is Austin Schlotman. Which right now, what a guy like Dalton Reisner is thinking is Austin Schlotman. He's got 71 right now. Went undrafted last year. He earned some praise from the Broncos in training camp. Played well in the preseason earned a spot on the practice squad where he remained throughout the season. So the Broncos, of course, are keeping him within the organization, giving him another opportunity in what is going to be technically his first year, which is also why Schlotman is at rookie minicamp because first-year players also are allowed to participate in rookie minicamps. But Reisner's thinking to himself, you know, that 71, if I play my cards right, we'll see what happens with Schlotman. Won't be surprised if I get that number by the time the summer's through. Yeah, I won't be surprised if he gets his rookie contract next week and slides Slotman a few racks and he gets his number. So I, I foresee that happening if he wants it. Though that number that he has now is pretty cool on him too. I think it looks good on him, to be honest yeah, with you. And, too. I mean, it's not gospel, it's not absolute, but I think the 70 numbers are more appropriate for tackles and the 60s and, and sometimes 50s are more appropriate for interior players. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, I'm not a big numbers guy, but I, I'm with you on that. But, hey, you know, again, we were just happy to have some real football stuff happening on Friday for us to be able to analyze. And there's going to be a lot more to come this weekend with the Denver Broncos continuing their rookie minicamp. And we're going to tackle all the takeaways, share with you all of our observations and what happens on Monday's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. But that is going to do it for today's episode. And, you know, apologies. Thank you for bearing with us as we kind of tweaked our schedule this week. You're listening to this either Friday evening or Saturday morning, maybe even Sunday. So normally, of course, we we publish Huddle Up Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. But because I had to travel this past week, we had to tweak the schedule. So thanks for bearing with us. But make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. Don't forget to leave your creative review and that five-star rating on iTunes. You guys have no idea how much that helps us grow and reach new listeners. For example, last month, we were up over 15% from the previous month, and this month, we're already 22% over last month. And one of the reasons why that is, is that the we're getting such great reviews from our listeners on iTunes. And so iTunes is putting our show in front of people who get onto iTunes and go, you know, I want to listen to a Broncos podcast. Maybe they have no idea what Mile High Huddle is. They have no idea <clears throat> what 24-7 sports is, but they're on iTunes and they want to listen to a Broncos podcast. So they search Broncos and we pop up because we have such high ratings and so many people listening to the show. So thanks to you guys for that. And make sure, by the way, you're following my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a great weekend, you guys. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there listening to the show, the great fans of the Denver Broncos and our great listeners. Of course, that's Sunday. So for those of you 
you know, the wifey, your mom, your grandma, make sure you take care of them because Sunday is their day. And then we will be back with you Monday. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.